2: welcome back to the fighter versus the writer i'm damon martin he is matt brown and after one week away matt it felt uh so so wrong to miss a week of the podcast uh but we are back now ahead of ufc 286 tell all the people why you weren't here a week ago we couldn't do a show matt brown
3: uh you know how it is man we live in ohio the weather's <laughs> changing sinuses flare up one thing leads to another next thing you know you're puking and you're blowing snot everywhere and you know, it's one of the, that's one of the question if I should say many is I like Ohio, but that is one of the cons of Ohio.
2: It is dude. I had my sinuses blow up a few days ago cause it was like 60 here. And then the next day it was like 30 and my sinuses is just like, yeah, we don't, we're not going to stick around with you today. You're just, we're just going to blow up today. And like my face was just like hurting. So yeah, I try, I trust me. I fully understand that pain.
3: Yeah, it was 70. We're talking about 60. It was 70, bro. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was probably like the most beautiful day of the year. Now it's fucking snow.
2: I was going to say, it's snowing out. I was like, you you hit me up earlier and I was like, looked outside. I was like, what the hell? It's snowing. It's freaking like, it's been nice, all nice weather and good weather all the last two weeks. And now it's freaking snowing.
3: Yeah. I I had to get a ride in the snow. Like we were talking about earlier, I got in a little fender bender earlier today, so it's been a hell of a day, but I got a ride with a buddy of mine, and he's driving through the snow, playing on his phone. <laughs> like, I'm just like, dude, I'm about to get another accident.
2: That is the worst, dude. That's that's what you just got to put down the phone, man. Like, it is not worth it, right? There's no message so important you need to do this right now.
3: Man, you, you know, like I said, I got a little fender bender. It wasn't anything major. No one's hurt. No problems. Everything will be fine. Uh, but it really puts things into perspective, man. Like it, it, one little mistake can fuck up a lot.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I get. I I I tend. I don't know what it is. Whenever I go out. My girlfriend always laughs at me. Whenever I go out, I swear to God, the worst drivers all decide to hit the road on the same exact time. That I so anytime I'm anywhere, like I'll be driving on the highway and someone will just slam on their brakes in front of me for no reason whatsoever. Or people will just get over without looking like the dumbest stuff happens whenever I'm out on the road. Like it's, it's like it's like the world testing my driving reaction time because it's always the dumbest, most idiotic people on the road every single time I drive.
3: Well, instead of doing "Ask Matt Brown" this week, let's do "Ask Damon Martin." What is your biggest driving pet peeve?
2: Oh, what is my biggest driving pet peeve? God, that's a big one. That's like a long answer. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> There's
3: probably a thousand of them. There's probably. You know, a thousand, I'll tell you which one I hate the fucking most. There's kind of two of them, honestly. Okay, one. If you're in the left lane, go over the fucking speed limit. Okay, no 65 in the left lane. Go seventy minimum in the left lane. When I lived in Denver, that was the worst. Everybody out there must have been stoned out of their fucking brains because <laughs> everybody's driving fifty five or sixty in the fucking left lane. So I was like, just get over. It. Number two, when you pull up to the stoplight, you know, I understand leaving a little bit of distance between you and the car in front of you, but leaving a car links distance or two car links distance just rubs me the fucking wrong way man
2: that happens all the time especially when i'm trying to turn left and there's a car in front of you and you could get to the left turn lane where they have like a green arrow but the car in front of you won't pull up that drives me and say yeah i would say that's probably right there but number one is i would say 100 is the people who get over to pass somebody and then they slow down that (laughs) drives me absolutely i don't mind that you get over in front of me to pass somebody i get that but when you get over in front of me and then immediately just slow down, I'm like, why did you do this in the first place? Why did you get over to just immediately slow down mm-hmm. It drive? That's the one that drives me insane. I'll be driving on the highway and inevitably somebody's like, okay, I'm like, maybe I'm going 70 and they're going like 65, whatever. I'm going 75. They're going 70. They get over in front of me to pass the car. They pass the car and then they just immediately slow down. They
3: slow down. And they're going the same speed as they were before.
2: I drives me absolutely fucking insane every single time dude just take
3: my advice don't (laughs) drive in denver unless you have to because them stoner motherfuckers (laughs) and uh, i love for any listeners from denver to confirm this with me see if i'm the only one that had this experience i don't know how many times i'd be driving in the fucking left lane going and they would do that they would pass get over in the left lane be passing going 60 miles an (laughs) hour i'm like this is a I think it's that the speed limit is actually 70 out there. It's like, dude, it's like, get, put the joint down and fucking go.
2: It's the weirdest thing, too, because, like, I am a super aggressive driver. I fully admit that. And, like, that's how I survive when I drive in big cities. Like, I don't because I know Columbus is a big city, but, like, I'm so used to driving here. I don't really consider Columbus big city driving. But, like, when I go to Chicago, I go to Philadelphia. Um, I go to LA, like I can drive in big cities and, and navigate and, and none of it really bothers me. Like it doesn't, I, like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I can handle a lot of people get stressed out and freaked out driving in like, you know, crazy downtown traffic. It never really bothers me, but I'm super aggressive. That's why I'm a super Ooh. aggressive driver. So like when there's like a turn to be made, I'll get away over, I'll find my way over into a lane to get over. Like I'll do it. I all that doesn't bother me, but my God, when I'm, it's the highway drivers. That's what drives me insane. Highway <laughs> drivers are the absolute worst.
3: Yeah, so I lived in New York for two years, you know, so I learned how to drive very offensively. There's no defensive driving there. It's all offensive driving, and, and they're fighting for every fucking spot they can get.
2: If you want to survive in New York driving, you better be offensive driving, because otherwise you will never get anywhere. You won't get anywhere. That's
3: exactly right.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about, obviously, with uh, the fights this past week and a big welterweight title fight coming up in a matter of days. But uh, let me uh, get to the quick update on uh, on Camp Matt Brown getting ready for May 13th. How is another? Because uh, we didn't do the show last week. So how's the last couple of weeks been for you in uh, in training camp mode? Well,
3: like I said, I got a little sick last week, but I think I actually need it, man. I think I've been pushing myself hard. I'm feeling great. My body's feeling better than it ever has. Mentally, I'm feeling better than I ever have. So I'm very excited for this fight. I think it's a great matchup for me. We all know Court is not an easy guy to put away. He's going to be there all three rounds if he can. Um, I don't plan on letting him be there all three rounds. I'm feeling fucking great, man. Um, Everything is just coming together. I think you're going to see the best Matt Brown you've ever seen, to be honest. And I almost feel bad for Court because he's such a great guy. I love the guy. hung out with him many times. I must feel bad for him, man.
2: Yeah. I saw, I don't, I don't know if you, I don't, I assume it wasn't you sparring him, although I don't know, but I saw Mark Coleman had a sparring session recently. He showed a little, <laughs> little abrasion on his nose. He got in there, was a little sparring. That was not
3: me. Okay. That was not me. <laughs> so he was fucking around with this guy who was, I think, is only, it was like his first or second day in there, actually. <laughs> and Coleman was just goofing off with him. And the dude, you know, he didn't know any better and he just hit him. <laughs> Fortunately <laughs> Coleman, you know, is a much more set. He doesn't appear on social media, but mentally he's in a much better place than he was in the past. So the guy is still alive as of today. <laughs> and it was it was a fun day, man. But yeah, Coleman's getting back in there. He's fine. I think he's finding a new love for the striking arts, not nice. just wrestling. Is it is that the most profound thing you've ever heard or what?
2: The, absolutely that that shocks my mind right there i'm gonna have to come up to the gym and watch mark coleman hit pads i think that would be an interesting time to to witness
3: yeah he is loving it man and i tell you what i held pads for him the other day i'm um, just maybe like 30 seconds or something nothing major but i'll tell you what this guy hasn't trained in 10 years was alcoholic as it was on his deathbed alcoholic um what, four or five hip surgeries, re- hip replacements with septic, you know, this and that. It's just been through the ringer. But when you feel that motherfucker's strength <laughs> after after going through all that, not like some guy that's out there training. He is a true fucking gorilla, man. Nobody, This guy could have knocked out anybody in the world at any time in history. He is a specimen through and through.
2: You said the uh, the guy who was on like day two accidentally hit him, dude. I've known Mark for I don't know how many years at this point. I consider him a, a good friend and a guy that uh, like he's the kind of guy like like Mark sends me happy birthday messages. Like that's my like Mark and I are are friends, but you know, good friends. I would be terrified if I accidentally hit Mark Coleman, and I've known the guy as a friend for over a decade. I'd be terrified. So I can only imagine what that poor guy was looking like realizing he hit Mark Coleman in the face.
3: yeah i didn't see it so i'm not sure exactly how it went down but uh yeah i i man i'm i'm telling you bro like you don't realize how genetically gifted he really is man like he is an absolute fucking freak man just a gorilla silverback through and through man and it is really amazing to see at that age the amount of strength that he has is absolutely unreal
2: yeah, that's awesome. I've been so happy to see everything going up there, and obviously it sounds like the training camp is good. I'll be up, uh, up to the gym at some point in the near future to uh, catch up with Matt Brown in camp as we get closer and uh, closer to May thirteenth. It's now just about almost actually, as of today, exactly two months away.
3: Oh, nice. That's what I like to hear, bro.
2: Yeah, so good stuff. Right
3: now, we're right on track for everything. So, um, I thought we were nine weeks for some reason, but. Maybe it's exactly eight weeks now. Maybe I lost track a little bit, but I'm I'm right on point, man. I'm ready to start ramping this up and ready to smash this guy. Um, my brother Dorian will be out here in a couple of weeks, and we're going to finish this hard and strong, man.
2: I love it. I love it. So uh, we had some fights over the week, and Of course, I know you were watching. I don't want to – obviously, with the big title fight coming up this weekend, I want to talk about UFC 286, but I want to mention, of course, what happened this last week, because I know you were tweeting about it and we were kind of talking about it online – uh, man, Murad DeWalishvili, what a freaking 49 takedown attempts, a pace that I, I don't know that I've seen set in a fight in a while at that kind of weight class. Like, I mean, I know weights, you know, typically have a little bit better gas tank, but my God, the pace he set, I mean, it was 50, 45 going away. Like I, there was not a single round that Peter, Peter Jan was in, like it was, Honestly, one of the most stunning performances I've ever seen. And not because I didn't think Mirab could do it, but because it was that one sided we texted before the fight. And I said, I said, I don't know. I said, I, I you know, if Mirab can use his wrestling, maybe, but I don't know, like, it's just a really hard fight to pick. And it wasn't hard. Mirab shut him out.
3: Boy, you're right on point there. Um, I would like to see Mirab get more done. You know, I don't want to be critical. I thought he put on one of the most amazing performances ever. But if if I have a criticism of that, I was like, dude, I would I'd like to see you get more done. I mean, he shot 49 times, but how many did he uh, uh, finish, right?
2: I think well, like 14. I think he was like 14 of 49, if I'm not mistaken.
3: And, and uh, even that, man, is that is still a ridiculous number. Like like we used to do a drill, I do Coach, where he would have us do like 100 shots you know just one after the other not even finishing them or even trying to finish them just doing the shots and it is an absolutely exhausting fucking drill nonetheless doing punches and dealing with fucking peter yonder in front of your face and hitting you back (laughs) and defending the shots and and trying to get the takedown so that dude's cardio is just another fucking level man and you know, that's going to be a hard style for anyone to deal with, I think. Right. Cause it's just, how do you do anything to him? You know, he doesn't care if he even gets the shot. He's just gonna, it's, he uses it like a jab, you know, just he's always putting something out there for you. And um, like I said, if I, if I want to be critical, I would say, you know, I'd like to see him get more done with it. Cause Peter, but then again, I mean, it's Peter young, like he is absolutely ridiculous takedown defense and, even when Marab did finish him he did a great job of getting back and fighting back out of him but god you just can't say enough good things about Marab. he that was just an amazing performance
2: i love that you said he used it like a jab because that's so true and 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 he made it he made Peter Jan work, you know what I mean? Like he may not have gotten all those takedowns, but the fact that Peter Jan had to sprawl out 49 times trying to get away from him, like, dude, that zaps you. That absolutely zaps your energy. And the fact that he could actually continue to go for those takedowns. And then I agree, like the output could have been a little bit better, but even on the feet, like he didn't look bad on the feet. He didn't look overmatched on the feet. He had some good punches. And I think a lot of that was set up by the wrestling. He took Peter Jan out of his game and Jan could never – that calf kick early took his leg away, made him switch stances, and then suddenly you could tell, like, he wasn't as comfortable when he had to switch stances. You could tell when he was in Southpaw. Yeah. He wasn't, like – you know, it's one thing to do it quick in a fight to, like, keep your opponent guessing, but when you're forced to switch stances because your leg's messed up, like, you could tell he wasn't as comfortable standing in Southpaw. So, uh, it was – was I was blown away. Like, I thought that was a 50-50 fight. Like, I was like, man, this could go either way. It did yeah. not go either way. It was just a complete one-sided fight. And I was I was honestly shocked, not because Murab isn't that good. morav's incredible. But I thought, you know, Peter Yan is that good as well. And the fact that it was a shutout, I was like, whoa, this was this was a, unbelievable.
3: Yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. I was just blown away the whole time. Well, after the first round, I wasn't blown away some more. But I was like, damn, can you keep this up another four rounds? And by God, he did with no problem. And it's just, again, I just don't know how you deal with that style. I mean – he just doesn't give you a single opportunity to breathe or get off any offense. Like you throw a punch, he's shooting in. You stand there, he punches you. You know, <laughs> like it just doesn't matter what you do and like something is coming all the time. You're always dealing with his offense. And you know, that's the old term, right? Is the best defense is a good offense. And I think Marab lives that up
2: to the T. Absolutely. So now Here's a question I have for you, Matt, because as a fighter, you have a different perspective than I do as a journalist, because I've covered these situations a million times, and I've seen them go good and I've seen them go bad, but I'm sure you saw or heard afterwards, of course, I mean, a win like that, you know, should easily make Murab, you know, a number one contender or at worst one fight away from it. probably a number one contender, though, considering he did to Peter Yan what Sean O'Malley could not do. Sean O'Malley had a split decision and that was a razor close fight that I know we talked about before you actually thought Peter Yan won. I, I I leaned to O'Malley, but again, it was close. I would have had no problem with Yan won that fight Mirab shut him down five rounds straight. It was an unbelievable performance in any other world. Mirab would be the number one contender in the division, but we all know he said a million times he's not going to fight Aljamain Sterling. That's his teammate. That's his brother. That's his friend. They will not fight. Now, again, we know Aljamain has a title fight coming up against Henry Cejudo in May. Maybe Cejudo wins, and that just solves the problem, and Mirab is right there to get a title shot. Dana White came out and said he's making a big mistake. We've seen this a thousand times. You don't do this. You take your opportunities. So, Matt, as a fight, I know you've had to fight friends and, and former training partners, guys you've trained with. Now, I don't know, you know, best friends, obviously it's a little different situation, but is Mirab do, do you find that Morab is making a mistake by not, you know, gunning for the title and saying, I'd fight my friend? Or, or do you stand by his decision to say, this is just one fight I won't take, and if it takes me a little longer to get to the title, so be it.
3: Yeah, I think Dana has a point, and we've seen it play out that way before, and I think... You know, when you're firing on all eight cylinders and the iron is hot, you got to go for it. And I totally agree with Dana on that same, um, on the other side of the token, I've never fought a friend before. I've fought guys that I know well, guys that I'm close with, and I've fought training partners. Now, I would never fight a friend. And I actually stand by Marab's decision on that. And I think it's very honorable of him um, to do that. And I think he he even trains training camps right uh, you know maybe not uh, I'm sure he still trains with Joe and them a lot but it looked like he's been out in uh, Vegas uh, well, they, a lot. Too.
2: They, they they both go out to Vegas. They've both been oh, out right. there. Al, Aljamein owns a house in Vegas, so I think I think Morab even lives with them. Um, when they're out there together, so yeah, they they they, they both train in Vegas now too. They, uh, from what from my understanding, living in New York, the taxes in New York are rather expensive, and there's no state taxes in Vegas, so you save a lot of money living in Vegas. Uh, so yeah, I think they both live out there and train. So they do train. It's them, Apache uh, Mix from Bellator trains with them. Uh, Javid and Farad Basharat, the two guys who fight in the UFC so they got a good team out there, Bantaways out there but yeah, no, they still train full time together, like I said, I think they're even roommates when they live in Vegas
3: mm. Yeah, I mean, you can't I stand by Marab and I respect him for that decision and I think it's very cool that he's doing that I don't. Again, I think Dana has a point though and I think from Dana's point of view that makes perfect sense and we have seen it play out that way before and we've seen um, again with you know th- this moment doesn't last forever you know you 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 can't deal with this forever and um yeah so it's it's good it's a tough spot that he's in but um that's his decision and again I respect him for that and I think we all know that he's a he's a worthy he's good enough to be a champion right we know that so we're
2: just gonna to have to see how everything plays out now. It uh, it, it like it one part of me like here's the thing, and this is from the journalist side. Like I respect the hell out of him for standing and sticking to his guns that he doesn't want to fight Aljamain because you know he said a million times in interviews with me and other people I wouldn't be here without Aljamain. Like I would not mm-hmm. be where I'm at without having Aljamain as my teammate, and my friend. Um, and I know, like, in the early days, Marab lived with him when he couldn't, like, have his own place. Like, Aljamain had him staying at his house and things like that. And I apl- here's why I applaud him for this, because we have seen this play out a thousand times before. And you and I both know, Matt, it rarely ends good. You know, Kamaru Usman fought Gilbert Burns. They were teammates. What happened? They split. Kamaru left the team, ended up moving out to Colorado. And I think they've kind of mended fences now. But, like, you know, it's just it's it's impossible when you're fighting at that level and you're battling for a, a UFC title that you're just going to stay friends. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but, you know, Rashad and John Jones, they were good buddies. And then, boom, it just got volatile, you know, when they had to split camps. One guy left and the other guy stayed and blah, blah, blah. And, We just, you know, Tyron Woodley and Robbie Lawler trained in American Top Team. They weren't even close friends, but it split the gym. You know, one of them had to leave. And, like, it just, it never seems to end well. And they genuinely seem to have, like, a real bond as friends and teammates. And they've been together for, I don't know, eight or nine years or whatever it is. I kind of commend Murad for sticking to his guns, and and you know it's not like Aljamain's trying to take away an opportunity from him. He's actually said openly, "I will eventually go to featherweight, you know, and you can at that point go and do your thing." And I just I don't know, like I guess at some point has to come to a head. Like if if Aljamain do, if Aljamain keeps winning and he doesn't go to featherweight. Then you know you got to make a choice, dude. Like either you want to fight for the title, or you're just you know you're mm. never gonna fight for a title. But at the same time, I respect their decision because, as I said, you know these situations when it does happen when two friends or two teammates end up fighting each other, it never ends well. It never. Right. Like, you just can't you can't maintain that relationship when you're trying mm. to be the best in the world and your other your friend. This is not. I'm I'm not trying to mock other sports, man. But this isn't putting a ball in a hoop. Yeah, this <laughs> is literally going out there and punching and beating the shit out of each other and trying to take, you're trying to take your friend's dream away from him and he's doing mm-hmm. the same thing that, that there's no way that doesn't change your relationship.
3: Absolutely. And, and it's different too. I think from times past where, for instance, John Jones and Rashad Evans, right? Like maybe they were buddies and maybe one of them, probably Rashad seeing them as friends but probably to the other one, I'm guessing John Jones. And and I, I don't know the actual dynamics here, but like he probably seen Rashad as a training partner. You know what I mean? Like, I think in a lot of times in the dynamic, that's kind of how things are. Like one guy is seeing it as we're training partners and that's what we do. And the other one's like, oh, we're friends, you know? And that makes things complicated. But, Guys like Al Jermaine and Marab are both openly saying we are friends and we do not want to fight each other. So I think that changes things a little bit. You know, so then that's why I say, like, I would never fight my friends. I have a lot of guys that I've fought that are training partners and guys that I'm close with to some extent. But they weren't my friends, right? Like, I don't still keep in touch. They're not sending me happy birthday messages, you know what I mean? (laughs) And maybe it's because I beat them up or because they beat me up. I don't know. But, um, you know, we weren't – you know, you're, you're talking about guys that have been friends for a long time, living together and helping each other out in so many aspects. And I'm guessing they probably, you know, they probably hang out together too, right? Like, they're probably friends' friends, which is just completely different than training partners is all I'm getting at.
2: Yeah, and I I like I disagree with Dana White on a lot of stuff, but I don't disagree with what he's saying in principle. Like you're right. You have a small window to find success and to be a champion and you gotta take advantage of that because the world doesn't wait on you. Like that's absolutely true. But at the same time, you know, I appreciate the loyalty they're showing to each other because that is a rare thing. You know what I mean? That is a rare thing in this sport because at the end of the day, you know, it takes a it takes a team to build a champion, but you know, and, and you you do step in there individually. We all understand that, but at the same time, I respect that they're 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 because it's not one. You're right, it's not one guy saying this. It's not like I don't want to fight, but they're both saying this. You know, they're both saying I don't want to fight, my friend. Our friendship means more to me than you know the than the title. I'll move up and wait. You know, Jermaine's saying I'll move up and wait. Like here, I'll give you here, Marab, you have the division. I'll eventually go up. Um, I just. I, I, listen, does it suck that maybe the two best guys in the division are Aljamain and Barab? Like, there's an argument that could be made that those are the two best guys in the division, and we're never going to get to see them fight. Yes, I understand that, but like I said, man, I respect the hell out of them because they're both—they're not hiding it. They're not—you know—not just—they're not turning down the fight privately and just not telling us why. They're saying very openly, "Not fighting them, Never going to happen. We're best friends." And you—and you're right. It is a, like they go on vacation together. Like when 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 Aljamain won his fight against T.J. Dillashaw, they all went to the Bahamas together as like a team. Uh, when when Murad won a fight, he took them to Georgia, his home country. He took Aljamain, I think uh, Ally Quinta, they all went to Georgia for like a week. Like that's the kind of stuff you do with your friends, not just your yeah. teammates, not just and. Like the Dorian, like a good example is Dorian. You you, you said your brother, Dorian's beyond a, a teammate to you, but beyond a training partner, I'd imagine there's no amount of money the UFC would offer you to where you'd want to fight Dorian. Like that's a different relationship. You have a Dorian than just like, uh, didn't you train with Diego Lima at some point? Like, didn't you train with him at some mm-hmm. point? So yeah, like that's a different relationship, right? Like that's a completely different relationship.
3: Exactly. And exactly. those relationships where you won't fight someone even if it's for a title or built over a long amounts of time. Right. Like is if I was just friends with someone for a year, I'd be like, all right, I'll fight you, whatever, you know? But again, like you said, these guys are going on vacation together, you know, like Al went to Marab's home country. You know, these guys have a, a bond built together. And I, I think the biggest part too is Murab again, I I, I show so much respect for, you know, he shows so much honor and integrity by saying this, you know, he's saying Aljamain is part of the reason that I'm here. So I'm not going to try to take away from him what he helped me build. And that, that deserves some respect. And he's the one where it really comes down to, right? Because it's easy for Aljamain to say, look, I'm not going to fight my friend, right? He's the champion for Marab. This is a, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. So for him to say that, that tells me they're friends and that's all there is to it. And I respect that uh, immensely. And uh, I think Marab has probably earned a lot of people's respect over the weekend, uh, not on just those uh, parts of it, but his actual fighting game. And so, you know, he's the whole package, man, like a great guy and um, amazing fighter. So, you know, you got to give all the, a lot of respect to that guy. You just have to.
2: Absolutely. Let me, I'm curious for, before we uh, change subjects here. Uh, obviously, Sean O'Malley, incredible fighter. We know Henry is coming back, but I'm kind of taking Cejudo out of the conversation because he's been gone for three years. I'm, t- I'm not saying like he's not great. He is incredible and maybe one of the greatest uh, combat sports athletes of all time when you mix in all the things he did, you know, gold medal in wrestling, all those things, two-division champion. I'm, so I'm just, but I'm taking him out of the conversation because he's been out for three years. Current bantamweights in the UFC, they're active. Aljamain and Mirab, am I wrong in thinking they're probably number one and two legitimately right now? Like, no offense to Sean O'Malley. Corey Sandhagen's incredible. Cheetah is incredible. But I think right now, Aljamain and Mirab might be the two best bantamweights in the world.
3: I don't think you can beat Peter Jan like that and not say that you're <laughs> one of the top two in the world, right? Like, like, I don't think anybody beats Peter Jan in a shutout.
2: Yeah, nobody
3: has. (laughs) Nobody has. I don't don't see anybody doing that to Peter Jan. I didn't think Murad would do it to Peter Jan. Um, I think there's a, you know, I don't know. I don't want to go there. You know, I'd almost say there's an argument to be made that he didn't pitch a shutout on Peter Jan, but there's really not. I mean, he won every round. Um, But I did see some people live tweeting that they gave Jan, I think, the first round live tweeting but by the end it was all 50 45 you know which is kind of interesting how that plays out but (laughs) regardless uh it doesn't really matter um no one does that peter Young. i thought i've always for a long time i believe that peter Young is the best uh bantamweight out there um i thought he was going to go down as the best in history and boy like what a fall from grace you know one illegal knee and his whole everything has changed from him and uh and not that he's putting on these lesser performances, you know. I mean, he's going out there doing great. It doesn't seem that he's lost a step or anything. But um, you know, that's the way this sport fucking works, man. <laughs> it's, it's just the way the sport works.
2: What do we say? What do we say, Matt? She's a cruel bitch. Like this sport is not like. There is no like. I would, I, dude, I, I'll be the first to admit I got it wrong. I thought Peter Jan was going to truck Aljamain in the rematch because he absolutely, he was winning and Aljamain would be the first one to tell you he was losing that first fight. And then he got with the, caught with the illegal knee. And I still 100% to this day stand by Aljamain. He got blasted in the face with an illegal knee. He Couldn't continue. I don't fault the guy. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he chickened out or that, that's stupid. He just, he got hit with an illegal knee, dude. Like, it is what it is. Um, but the rematch, I was wrong. I thought Peter Yan was going to be a dominant. And then Aljamain went out there and had two, you know, at least one 10-8 round, which I didn't score a 10-8 round. It should have been, but they didn't. Uh, maybe even another one. Like, he went out there and had a great performance and won the fight. Good for – I was shocked. I was blown away. He lost a real close split decision to O'Malley, a fight that, you know, you scored for Yan. I could easily see going. But now, like, he's 1-3, and 1-4 and in his last – like, that's how quickly this sport can change.
3: Yeah, and it's crazy because on paper – he, he's what one and three in his last four. Right. Yeah. But when we watch all those fights, we're like, dude, it's like, he's still one of those top guys, you know, but you just got to wonder what this has done to him mentally now, right now. It, the, every time that he loses, even, even if it's a split decision loss, like Sean O'Malley, that hill to get back is a bigger mountain to climb. So, you know, it's gotta be a mental challenge for him, but you know, again, I've I've said for a long time, I mean, I think he's one of the best in the world. I thought he'd be the best Bantamweight in history. I I love everything he does. I study him. He's one of those guys, the very few fighters that I watch and study what they do, you know, beyond just watching them for entertainment because I love the sport, but I actually watch and try to see what they're doing and try to actually mimic some of the things they're doing. And he's one of those guys. And uh, so it's been amazing, you know. I don't even know if that's the right word, you know, for him just falling and uh, you know, I could see him definitely coming back, but you know, now he has a even bigger road ahead of him.
2: Much longer road. Absolutely. Especially with Marab and Aljamain up there at the top of the division, yeah. like, and, and Sean O'Malley for that matter. Like, even though it was a close fight, like he doesn't have a lost him. Those are the three top thing, guys. I think he can, I think
3: he can beat all those guys, but he has to be firing on all A cylinders. He has to be on his a game right on top of everything, and fight the perfect fight that night.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: Uh, Matt, this weekend, the UFC returns to pay-per-view at the UFC 286 card in London. We got Raphael Fiziv against Justin Gaethje. Holy yeah. shit, what a fight that's going to be. And of course, the welterweight title fight between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. We know this one uh, last time around, Kamaru was winning until he wasn't. That's when Leon Edwards caught him with that fifth-round head kick, knocked him out and uh, ended his night i've seen a lot of chatter going into this third fight between them which does not i call it a rematch that first fight was so long ago it almost i know it counts but it doesn't like it was their first and second fights of the ufc they're far different fighters now than they were then but anyways it's a trilogy um i've seen a lot of people kind of coming around to the leon edwards way of thinking like can Kamara, how's Kamara going to bounce back from that knockout? Now, Matt, you and I know, and obviously you've been there, you, you know far better than I do, but like, we know certain losses do stick with guys. Like when you lose a certain way, it can stick with you. We've seen, I mean, I know this is a, a probably a bad example because it was only one fight, but like Ronda Rousey never was never the same after the Holly home fight. Now, granted, she only had one more fight after that, but her reaction and just, I think it just absolutely stole her confidence away. Like everything that happened with that Holly Holm knockout just completely altered her career forever. I know that's an extreme case and probably a bad example because she only fought one more time and then never fought again. But we know that we know that's a real thing. We know certain people have gotten knocked out or lost and they never fully recover. They may come back and win a couple fights, but they never fully recover from a loss. I've seen a lot. Of, I don't know, Matt. you t- I mean, I guess we're going to find out on Saturday, but I don't know, like, what do you, is that, like, are people trying to talk themselves into, like, Usman just not being able to come back with it? Are they trying to talk themselves into Leon Ever's winning because the odds are still in Usman's favor? He was winning, like, he's won every round with the exception of two rounds. The first round, which Leon did win in their, in their second fight, and then the fifth round when he got knocked out, he was winning that round, he just got knocked out. Um, hmm. Are people trying to talk themselves into Leon Evers winning this fight, or is there, like, a legitimate storyline here that maybe, maybe Kamaru can't come back from a knockout.
3: I do not for one second think Kamaru cannot not come back from this knockout. I do not. Uh, um, Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're saying pretty well, like people are trying to talk themselves into believing that Kamaru is going to uh, go down. Uh, maybe they want to believe that Leon's going to win. I don't know exactly what these people would want to believe. I believe very confidently Kamara is going to come back as good, if not better than he was before. I think he will come back strong and I think he's going to put on a great performance. Now what the question in my mind isn't whether Kam- kamaro has the strength to come back and the mental fortitude and the ability to come back and put on a great performance is it's is Leon Edwards good enough and I think he actually is, right? That first round showed, like, Leon can clinch with him. Leon took him down. Leon can obviously strike with him. He knocked him out. This fight is closer than I think anybody's making out to be. I favor Kamara. I think it's foolish not to favor Camaro because he has the wrestling. But Leon showed that he can wrestle with Kamara. Can he do it for five rounds? I don't know. That's the uh, that to me is the only question. Is can he do that first round five times? Now that's barring you know a crazy knockout like he got in the fifth round. I'm I'm not even thinking about that kind of stuff because you can't predict that, right? If anybody says they predicted Leon Edwards knocking out Kamara Osman, they got fucking lucky. Okay, there's nothing more to it. Leon maybe didn't, you know. I know everybody hates using the word luck. They're like, well, he threw it and he meant to hit him with it, so it wasn't luck. Well, you know, there's a, a lot of fortunate set of events, you know, okay, however you want to <laughs> word it, right? Like, you know, you don't have to call it the word luck, right? But he's very fortunate that that happened, right? Um, The fact is, if Leon can maintain that first round, he has a very good chance. I think there's a possibility he can do that. I think that possibility is less than a 50%. So I still lean towards Kamaru, but this is a extremely interesting fight in my opinion. Um, I don't see Leon getting another big knockout like that. I, I do think Kamaru, you know, he's going to make the adjustments. He's going to protect himself better. Um, You know, the thing is, he's probably going – I have to assume, like, if I'm his coach, like, we're going to wrestle more of this fight. We're going to do, you know, that second, third, fourth, and half of the fifth round, all five rounds, you know, try to get a finish. But, you know, that's going to be the game plan. Leon is probably going to be ready for that. So that's why we go – that's why they have the fight. That's why we watch it.
2: (laughs) I think, you know, it's funny. I don't question the whole – you know is uh you know is is Kamara going to be able to ju- is Kamara going to be able to come back from the knockout I don't I don't buy that at all you know I don't I don't believe that I'm with you 100% I don't believe that at all I think what I think what I don't think listen I don't like the narrative when some people say like you need a loss to get better I understand that's you can say that but here's what I would say I think Kamara was getting a little distracted at that point you know he was going into a six title defense which is getting close to the gsp record you know nine i know it's not right there but it's getting closer he was tying or had broken gsp's record for the most wins in a row in the division like he was getting some all-time records he was talking about fighting canelo in a boxing match it was kind of like almost like just kind of again like kind of getting that like a little bit too much of a head of like things outside of this and and leon on paper, didn't seem like that big of a threat to him. Like, we got to be honest. The odds were completely overwhelming in Usman's favor. He was supposed to win that fight, and he was. He did have kind of a bad first round, or I should say Leon had a good first round, and then Kamaru came back and was dominating. I think that loss, that knockout, if anything, is going to make him hungrier and want to go out there and have a better fight this time. And also, and I know... I'm not making excuses. I'm just and I think this is Leon as well cuz Leon had a weird like fourth round where he looked exhausted. They were fighting at elevation and that Salt Lake City card zapped everybody. Like it was a weird performance cuz Kamara is usually like a he's a almost like a marab. Like he goes out there and just puts the pace on you round after round after round and he couldn't really do that and Leon was the same way. Leon has good cardio and he looked tired in the fourth round and then obviously pulled out the knockout in the fifth but I'm also with you on the Leon Edwards thing because I think Leon Edwards is one of those guys who who has been really good this entire time. Everyone kept doubting him, and he needed a fight like that to kind of prove people wrong, and I think that's only going to boost his confidence because he knows he can survive with Kamaru on the ground. He knows he can take Kamaru's back. He knows he can knock out Kamaru. I think these are all things that are going to help Leon Edwards, but again, I'm with you, Matt. If you're asking me to pick the fight, I got to lean c- towards Kamaru Usman because I do believe Kamaru Usman is that good. I think he is one of the best welterweights of all time. Did he get caught? Absolutely. Guess what? GSP got caught by Matt Serra. It happens. Now, historically, I would say Leon Edwards is probably a better overall fighter than Matt Serra was. Matt Serra at the time was more of a quote unquote flash in the pan. He wasn't like, you know, this world beater who, you know, was on a nine fight win streak like Leon Edwards. Um, But I think Leon Edwards can win this fight. I think people are crazy to doubt him. His striking is top notch. His, his 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 defense is solid. And I think he's gotta know that Usman's gonna come out there and wrestle him hard this fight. So he's probably been working a ton on that. But again, I'm just I'm betting on who has more ways to win the fight. And I think that's Kamar Usman. Because Kamar Usman can knock you out. He cannot wrestle you. Uh he can just push you against the cage and control you for five rounds. It may not be the most exciting fight, but he can do that to you. Um again, I'm like 55 45. You know, I'm yeah. Usman Usman wins. But I'm not. I'm not saying it's an overwhelming favorite. I wouldn't be shocked if Edwards pulls it off. But the narrative that the knockout's going to change everything—I think that again, I think that's just people talking themselves into a reason to believe that Usman's going to lose. If you're going to say Usman's going to lose, it's just because Edwards has surpassed him and he's the better fighter now, not because he got knocked out once and he's, he's suddenly, you know, going to be out of his game because he got knocked out. I don't buy that. Yeah,
3: no, um, yeah, I agree hundred percent. That's exactly what I think. His fight comes down to. I think they're both going to come out much better fighters than they were last time. I think they're both going to rise to the occasion. They're both going to put on a hell of a fight. It's just a matter of, you know, who shows up that night and who's on point that night. And of course it is five rounds, right? So, you know, who makes one mistake who, you know, maybe who has the better cardio, who did put in those extra, you know, five miles at the end of the day or whatever, you know, it's going to come down to such tiny little details. These are, two of the top guys. And I think they're going to be at the the top of their, uh, the, their peak um, performances, uh, you know, the, the musicians in their life, these guys are going to, this is going to be an extremely high level match. And I think, I, again, when we look at that first round, it comes down to. And Leon sustain that. Right. He beat Kamaru the first round. He took Kamaru down. Kamaru was trying to take him down. But didn't Kamara make a mistake? Or did Leon, you know, put him there? And, you know, can he do that again? And he can he do it for five rounds. He's got to be able to beat Kamaru at that game. Camaro's going to try to take him down. I think that's a something we're pretty much guaranteed to see here. He's going to try to take him down. Can Leon reverse that role? He doesn't necessarily have to take him down, but he's got to, you know, at least be able to break off not get pushed against the fence for five rounds. He's got to be able to do some of these things. And I think he's going to be way better at it than he was first time. Kamara is going to be way better at it than he was first time. And it's going to make for an exciting match. And I'm a 55, 45, right with
2: you. All right. Let me ask you this, Matt, you are a coach on top of being a fighter. We know that you said many times when your career is over, you believe you'll end up being a better coach and you are a fighter. So I'm curious, you don't know him intimately, like you've not been in his training camp and you've not worked with him, but I'm just on the outside looking in. If you were a coach, what would your strategy be for Leon Edwards to beat Kamaru Usman? Because I think Kamaru Usman, as we both kind of agree, he has more ways to win the fight because he can wrestle, he has to knock out, the things I already said. Leon has traditionally been a striker, but we saw in the first fight, he does have grappling, he does have wrestling, he does have submissions, all those kind of things. If you were Leon Edwards' coach, what is your strategy strategy for this fight to beat Kamar Usman? What is the way you beat Kamar Usman in this fight?
3: Well, it's certainly going to come down to, I mean, you, when you're coaching with someone, you certainly have to get them to buy into the strategy first. So you have to sit and talk with Leon is, you know, what do you feel like doing first, right? And then how can we build a game plan and strategy around what you feel you need to do in this fight? Because if the fighter isn't buying into it, then, you know you are going to have a long tough camp and you know it's going to be a, a uphill battle from there but if i could play the video game and these two were and i'm be on i'm leon edwards and you're kamaru, kamaru As- usman i always have the hardest time saying his name <laughs> kamaru As- usman i'm going to try to take you down like i did like i said like he did in that first round i'm going to let you know that i can beat you at your game and that takedown doesn't have to be you know, your conventional wrestling takedown, trying to push him against the fence and grab the legs and pick him up or anything like that. It could be any kind of takedown that you can fester up, you know, like the clinch takedown that he got him with in the first uh, match. If, um, you know, punch him up a little bit first uh, uh, or maybe uh, a reshot off a of sprawl or, you know what I mean, anything. And I think that that would be the biggest deterrent uh, to Kamuru to Usman, I think that would be the biggest deterrent for him mentally getting taken down again by Leon Edwards. He got knocked out last time. Um, you know, he knows this is a, the the must-win fight for his legacy. This is the guy that he has to beat to get back to the top. He gets put on his ass. It's, it's going to be absolutely devastating to him. He can come back mentally from being knocked out he can have a strong training camp but if he goes in there and gets taken down and put on his back he's going to start questioning himself now whether you try to do that for a few rounds or not you know there's a lot of things you have to look at when you're looking at a strategy you know in terms of uh skills and techniques and matchups opportunities threats all these different things um but i think yeah if you can put him on his back I think you got a huge upper hand right there.
2: can I also throw out one just a curiosity if you think this would be good like to mix because I agree the the takedowns would be great. We've also seen the the real addition of calf kicks as a real weapon in fights, particularly because they're lower typically lower risk to get taken down off a calf kick than you would if you're kicking up higher on the knee or the thigh. That uh, we always thought of more traditional leg kicks back in the day, like the Pedro Hizo, you know, leg kicks, uh, Marco Huaz, leg kicks, those kind of things. Am yeah, I wrong in thinking? Cool. Yeah, am I am I wrong in thinking that you know maybe those kind of like lower percentage, like attacking that front lead leg, and and then working the takedowns like that chews up the lead leg because again we see how much those calf kicks can affect you, especially for a wrestler because you got to plant on that lead leg. If you can't plant hard on that lead leg over five rounds it diminishes your ability to drive through a takedown. Am I wrong in thinking like maybe, you know, he's everyone's going to be talking about the head kick, head kick, head kick, maybe trick him a little bit, throw those legs, throw those low kicks, throw a couple not, I'm not saying spend your whole time doing that. Cause obviously you do risk the takedown, but I, I don't know. Am I wrong in thinking that could be a little bit of a weapon for Leon in this fight? Cause it keeps him guessing, I guess.
3: Again, that's why when you, when you ask me the question about how do you coach him, you know, what kind of game plan do you go in with? That's where you have to look at a lot of the details, you know, I'd have to study, you know, how has comeer. God, I have a hardest time saying Usman <laughs> how, how man handled um, calf kicks in the past or leg kicks in general. Um, how, what is his stance like? Is his foot facing out? You know, are you able to get to that calf easily? Cause that's the big thing with the calf kicks. It depends on which way your foot is facing. If the bone is, you know, your toes are pointed more outward, um, you know, then the bone's going to be pointed more outwards. That makes it a lot harder to do. And then you're risking, you know, like a Chris Weidman or Anderson Silva type situation where you're landing bone on bone. Um, so that's where you have to look at a lot of those kind of details. But, um, you know, don't forget also, Leon is Southpaw and. Usman is conventional so when you're in this open stance the calf kick game is a lot different too so
2: that's true that's true
3: so yeah so Leon would have to actually shuffle outside most likely again unless Usman's foot is facing way inside like a boxer he would have to shuffle out pretty good to be able to even get that late kick uh, which can be a very good strategy because it also gets you out of um, that direct line of the train coming at you right so it makes it harder to get the takedowns but you're also leaving yourself, you know, with your feet moving so much, you know, you need to be able to kind of plant your feet to have a good sprawl for the most part. Um, not always, but um, depending on, again, that's where you have kind of left to know your fighter and look at a lot of details because it depends on, you know, if you're, how do you sprawl, you know, cause and it depends on what kind of shots too. Right. And um, what kind of shot, I don't, I don't know what uh, Usman's go-to shot is and, I don't know what uh, Leon's go-to defense is. You know, sprawl is the common one, in which case you would ideally have uh, planted feet and you can drive your hips into their head, um, you know, if it's a, a simple double leg coming at you. But then you also have, you know, someone going for a single leg. If, if that's maybe someone's go-to and he's a southpaw and you're conventional and you want a single leg him, of course, every time he throws that leg kick, your feet are going to be a little bit more up in the air, so it's going to leave him a little bit easier to grab that single leg. So, again, I'm kind of breaking it down a little bit deeper, but there's lots of details that kind of go into that when you're talking about a specific technique. Um, and the biggest thing, I think, with the calf kick is it doesn't really uh, encourage the guy to create distance. Right, if you're more like kicking the forearms or towards the head or the body or teeth kicks and things like that, it kind of encourages the guy um, to fight at more of a distance, right? In question, covering that distance, whereas the leg kicks actually kind of encourage the guy to cover a little bit more distance and and uh, stuff those leg kicks.
2: Speaking of kicks, did you see uh Usman Nurmagomedov hit that question mark kick to basically lead to his knockout mm. or his finish over Benson Anderson? That was beautiful, man. That was one of the most beautiful, like, switch. That was such a cool kick, like, way he just fooled him and then went up top and kicked him in the foul. I was like, holy crap, Like Usman Nurmagomedov, man, that guy might be the second best lightweight in the world. I mean, I think Islam's obviously number one. That's his teammate. But I'm like, man, Usman Nurmagomedov's a beast.
3: Yeah, yeah, I seen it, man. What a beautiful job. And you know, against Benson Henderson too. You know, I mean, I know Benson retired and, you know, so he's probably kind of on his way out, but um, you know, Benson is absolutely as tough as they get in in every aspect of the game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, real quick before we get to a couple of ask Matt Brown questions before we get out of here, Matt, I want to ask, listen, I think it's going to be like two Tasmanian devils coming at each other, but Gaethje versus fizzy. What Mm. an incredible fight. That's going to be. I don't, my heart of heart says like, I just, I have a hard time picking against Justin Gaethje outside of certain matchups. Like I picked him to beat Charles Oliveira. That did not work out too well for me. Um, I, you know, I picked, obviously I think I, you know, I picked Khabib to beat him and and I think I picked Poirier to beat him, but Gaethje is like, I just call him the human car crash. Like you do not come out of this. You do not come out of, uh, sorry to bring like PTSD for car crashes, Matt. Uh, You, you, (laughs) you do not, you do not walk in and walk out of a fight against Justin Gaethje is the same person, but man, has looks so good. The way he picked apart Javier dos Anjos and, and, and I mean, that was a brilliant performance, I don't know, man. Like, this is another one. Like, I'm 55-45. I'm leaning to Gaichi just because that dude is such a freaking human wrecking machine, but FaZeve is so good.
3: Dude, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to pick way against you on that. I think unless and uses his wrestling, which now is the time to do it, I think FaZeve... I'm not going to say he's going to have an easy night, but he's going to beat it. Uh, is an absolutely phenomenal striker. Like Gagey's not going to get off his leg kicks like he has on other people. He's not going to land his big looping shots like he has on other people. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to be able to take the shots, you know, with kind of with his chin tucked and his guard up like he has against other people. And I love Justin Gagey. I hope he doesn't listen to this and – fucking want to fight me next. And, or I mean i would love to fight him whatever. But yeah. You know, I hope it, you know, there's no bad blood or anything. And that's why, you know, breaking down these fights sometimes, you know, makes it is difficult, right? Especially me being an active fighter and everything. And and I hate to pick against Justin Gagey because I think he's a phenomenal fighter and and he's everybody's favorite fighter to watch. But I think it's a huge mistake on his part to try to stand with Faizeeve and um all I can say, you know, is if he does do that, um, you know, I hope he proves me wrong. You know, like more power to him. But Faizeev, I think, is just a phenomenal striker through and through. And his Justin Gagey work does a lot of his best work with toughness and just throwing hard as he can and just being there and putting it back on you. I just don't see all that working against Faizeev because I think Faizeev has all those same attributes with about 10 times more technique.
2: Well, and, and you know, we, we know this, Matt, you know, we talk about like things that happen. The The durability runs out on everybody. You can only take so much damage in the sport. We yeah. know that. And I don't I'm not saying the clock is taking a Justin Gaethje by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, we've all seen it like forever. You can't knock out Roy Nelson. The guy's got a concrete chin. It's impossible. Well, Mark Hunt said otherwise. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the sport. Everyone that every I, I, I say this all the time, Matt, when you depend on durability as one of your biggest weapons, man, it is a double edged sword because not only are you using it as a weapon to to, de- to defend strikes and survive, but you're also getting hit a lot. And that adds up over time. Man, you can only the, the, the human the human body can only take so much damage before it just starts falling apart. And I'm not saying Gaethje's there yet. I'm absolutely not saying that. He's still a fairly young guy. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, eventually it runs out on everybody. And, you know, we've said this a million times. Like, I always say telling a guy he has a great chin is a backhanded compliment because that means you take a lot of punches. Like, I, I think defense, like, not getting hit is the better chin. Like, not getting hit is the better defense. Not proven that you can get punched in the face 95 times and survive.
3: Yeah, and – Look, his durability might be the same as it was 10 years ago. I have no idea. And, I, you know, but I think even if it's the same as it was 10 years ago, he's fighting Faizi, who is a hard puncher with a lot of technique behind him. So I, I don't think his durability, you know, I, I'm not going to say that, you know, if he ends up losing this fight, it's because of his durability. I'm going to say it's because of Faizi.
2: Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's unbelievable. His striking is off the charts. I mean, he I know he trained a lot in Thailand. Uh, His kicks are nasty. His he's so fast too. like he's a really quick, nasty striker, really. And I know you love good technique. He is his technique is as close to flawless as you'll see in this division. He is just nasty. Um, spinning—he throws spinning attacks really, really well. Never, never allows himself to get out of position when he does it. Because you and I both know, some guys throw spinning stuff and they're just doing it, and it puts them completely out of well. I mean, you know, it happens; it puts you out of position. He doesn't—he do he de- typically doesn't do that. Fast, nasty, accurate. Uh, It's—I man, I love this fight. This is like. Dude, I love the welterweight title fight, but I think this is the one I'm most excited about. Like, this is just going to be an incredible display. I think everybody
3: is. And, (laughs) you know, the big question, this is what, uh, if I'm just, you know, if we're going to talk about coaching, if I'm Justin Gagey's coach, we know he's a good wrestler. We know he can probably take Faizeev down. Faizeev is not the level of wrestler Gagey is. Yeah. Gagey, go take him down. Right? (laughs) like, don't risk it. Like, there's just not – maybe, you know, Gagey proves me wrong. Maybe he goes out, stands with Fizeev and gets a big knockout and we're all blown out of our seats. This is fucking MMA. That's what happens every weekend. We watch a card of UFC fights or or whatever. Maybe Gagey's that guy this week. If you're coaching him, if if you're strategizing for him, that's not what you tell him to do.
2: Oh. He's yeah, like I know. Fight, he's the wrong guy. He, yeah, yeah, and you're absolutely. Listen, who would have predicted that Murabdo Wallace really would have gone out there in 50 45? Peter Yan, I know I didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you just never know. That's the unpredictability of the sport. Maybe Gagey knocks out as even the first round. You don't know. Yeah. But I, I think that I love Justin Gage. I think he's a monster. I love that dude. But like, I, I every time I think about him, I'm like, dude, I just wish he would use his wrestling more. He's such a good wrestler when he wants to. He just doesn't do it.
3: Yeah, and I just don't see Fizeb making a lot of the mistakes or gassing out the way some guys have, you know. I mean, how many times have we seen guys punch up Gagey pretty bad, he's rocked, you know, and they end up either kind of gassing out or getting a little timid cuz they hit him with everything they got and he's still there. Um, but they lose a little bit of technique, you know, all these different scenarios like this based off of Justin Gage's durability. I don't see Faizee making these same mistakes. I don't see him getting wild. I don't see him, you know, gassing out. I don't see him, um, you know, again, just making any of these big mistakes that has kind of been Gagey's forte to rely upon. And,
1: you know, again, <laughs>
3: maybe he proves us wrong. You know, maybe he goes out there and leg kicks Faizee into oblivion and... <laughs> You know, it's it's fucking possible, man. KG is an athlete; he's a monster. So, you know, um, you know, instead of uh, hating me for picking against you, you know, go out there and prove me wrong. I hope. And, yeah. But, but you know, I, I, again, I just think Faizeev's the wrong guy to game plan like that against.
2: Yeah, I know Gaethje got mad at me because I picked Michael Johnson to beat him in his debut, and he did not like that, and he used it. And he, you know, he we obviously we got past. That. He's a, he's a good dude. I've talked to him many times since then, but he definitely gave me shit for it. He definitely he did not forget that when I talked to him after the fight. Like, you picked him to beat me, and I was like, I I got it wrong. I'm happy, but it was a hell of a fight. Uh, so yeah, like I said, that's you know, go out there and go out there, and prove me wrong. I'd be I'd, I'd be more than happy if you got there and prove us wrong. Although I did pick Gaethje this time, so uh, yeah, we'll. We'll see how it, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, real quick, Matt, before we get out of here, obviously we put out our our, our uh, flyer out on Twitter earlier today for Ask Matt Brown. I got a couple questions to throw at you before we get out of here. Of course, the ever popular Matt Brown Ask Matt Brown segment, where you can ask Matt Brown questions about training, nutrition, uh, anything, to, even dating advice. I think that's my favorite. Is the Matt Brown dating advice? Uh, this was this was a, a, a. I'm gonna start off with like a fun one, but there is kind of a deep one in here. I want to ask you, but the fun one. This is a good one. Somebody asked, your favorite guitar. Guitarist from the 90s, and I was like, that's a good question because we both love metal, but I'm thinking, like, from the 90s specifically, what who is your favorite guitarist from what? the 90s? That's a good question.
3: Oh, that's not even a good question. You know how simple easy that one is.
2: Well, who's your favorite gu- from the 90s? Like, not now. Who's your current who is your 90s favorite guitarist? You
3: don't already know.
2: I'd uh, tell me, Dimebag, bro.
3: Oh, yeah, of course. Come on, man. That's the easiest question ever.
2: Time That's your boy right there.
3: Yeah, come on, man. That's the easiest question ever there.
2: I, I'm I'm so conflicted. I got tickets to see uh Metallica in Detroit this year and the weird sort of pantera is opening for them and i'm like <laughs> uh, like because uh, i saw pantera i saw the real pantera like on Ozfest. i saw the real pantera uh did shots of did shots of jack daniels with the real pantera backstage that's back when i worked at a record store that's legendary bro yeah dude i like i saw the real pantera uh i don't know how i feel about this new version like this weird not quite like i don't know i don't i don't i don't, I don't know if i feel good about it
3: I just wish they called it Pantera tribute because that's what it is. It's not yeah. Pantera. It's Phil Anselmo and Rex needing some money and, <laughs> you know, putting together, you know, a great tribute. I mean, I've seen I mean, some Zach the...
2: Wild's playing. He's playing guitar. Zach yeah. Wild's awesome.
3: Yeah, Zach is awesome. And I- I've seen some of the videos on uh, YouTube and stuff and watched the performance. They do a great job. And Zach does it in a little bit of his style like he throws in his own flair to it it's a great show i'm sure Uh, but it's a tribute it is not pantera
2: yeah i agree all right here's a good one morning training or night training
3: Uh, both (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i I train twice a day almost every day so i have to do both if i had to prefer one i would want to get it over in the morning and, and bust it out in the morning and have a great day afterward and you know go eat some steak at night
2: yeah i'm not a morning person so like getting me out of bed is a problem like i'm just not a morning i'm a night i'm a night owl so but like I,
3: okay when they say morning though would you rather work out early in your wake up circadian rhythm time or or like later closer to bed maybe is what they're saying
2: yeah 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 i mean up
3: yeah, I mean you wake up a little later, but you stay up later. You're like you're, yeah. like you're not sleeping twelve hours a day. But you know, you stay up late and wake up late.
2: Yeah. Well I know that's like I said, that's I know a lot of fighters adjust their schedules based on when they're gonna fight. Like you try to train or get ready, like when you're actually gonna walk to the cage. Uh, because your because if you're used to going to bed at ten o'clock at night and you gotta fight at eleven, then your whole body's gonna be screwed up if that's how you're expected to fight. So you have to kind of adjust that, I assume. So, so yeah, morning or night, how about both? That's the Matt Brown schedule. All right, here's, I'm gonna hit you with the serious one. Cause this is, a, it, like I said, man, <laughs> mental health is a real thing. And I think we all, like, you know, we all should be open enough to deal with it. And this is a good question. He said, How do you pick yourself back up if it feels like life has defeated you? We're getting real serious mm. here.
1: That's a good question.
2: That's a good, and it's yeah. different for everybody. I, I Let me be clear: I'm not I'm not answering Matt Brown's question for it. It's different for everybody. Okay, let me be clear about that. But Matt, for you, how do you pick yourself up after you feel like life has defeated you?
3: I tell you, the first thing you got to do is start with that feeling of defeat, and you have to beat that feeling because that is your inner bitch, as the Joe Rogan calls it. That's your inner demon. That's your your subconscious telling you that you're a bitch and making you feel like you're defeated. You're not, you're not defeated until you accept that you are defeated. So you first you destroy that feeling and then you start building upon that or building on that with your daily habits. That's where your feeling of defeat comes from. You start losing internal integrity is what I call it, right? You say, I'm going to get up at eight in the morning. I'm going to make my bed, brush my teeth, eat my breakfast, you know, ding, 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 ding. If tomorrow you wake up and you don't make your bed, you don't brush your teeth. You don't eat your breakfast or eat some shitty breakfast, you know, two hours later, you know, like, uh, whatever you, you, you stop believing your own self and that's the most important daily habit I think there is, is that internal integrity. You start trusting yourself because your subconscious has a relationship with your conscious and your conscious is what makes the decision, but your subconscious either trusts it or doesn't trust it. When your subconscious does not trust your conscious decision making anymore, that's when you lose all these battles. And that's when you start feeling defeated. But again, You're only defeated when you accept that feeling that you are defeated, accept that feeling as a truth. All it is right now is just a feeling. So destroy that feeling and forget about it, smash it to pieces and then start building that internal integrity back. And you're going to smash everybody in the fucking world.
2: I love it. I love it. Am I wrong in thinking? and, And again, this is, you know, from an outsider looking in, but you know, with, can I imagine the way like the way I think about it is is like defeat is something that spirals quickly. If you don't control it, it can absolutely spiral out of control. Like it's one of those things that multiplies. That's why you got to kill it right away.
3: Exactly, cuz it's a conscious decision to accept the defeat. Once you accept it once, again now your subconscious allows that in. So so consciously you cannot accept that you have been defeated. So, so that your subconscious will listen to your conscious. That's what all of this. I'm not saying there's not depression is a real, I'm not saying uh, sadness is a real nice saying, but all these daily habits and the, and all of these um, internal things that, that are being told to ourselves are all results of the subconscious and how much they trust our conscious and how much they believe in the reality, right? Our conscious builds the reality and our subconscious learns from it. So if you do not build yourself a proper reality, your subconscious will accept it. So you build a reality of winning, you build yourself a reality of not accepting defeat and saying, I will move on, I will move forward, I will get through this, And your subconscious will begin to believe that, but it takes time. And I've learned this personally through the cage. I could go on in a lot of uh, details about this. And um, I've had my own mental struggles. A lot of people look at me as, you know, one of those mentally tough guys that can fight through anything and this and that. But that's why I got a mortal tattooed on my chest originally to begin with the original concept of that was to tell myself, no one can beat me down. No matter what happens, I can get through anything. You got to bury me six feet deep, and I'm gonna crawl my way out of that fucking ground. I've struggled with this my own self. I've I've walked into cage fights before and not believed that I put in the work. That's why they always talk about the the work builds the confidence, right? It's not necessarily just the work that builds the confidence, but if I say I'm gonna go do 50 reps, I go do 50 reps. And my, conscious, my subconscious begins to believe my conscious. I build that trust with my conscious, the reality. And when that trust is built, you can tell yourself, I'm going to go win this fight. And now your subconscious believes you. But if you did, you could have done a shit ton of work, but you didn't do all the work, right? You did most of the work and you maybe you even did it fucking hard, but you didn't put in that extra mile there at the end. You didn't uh, do 51 reps when you said you were going to do 50. Then when you go tell yourself, I'm going to win this fight, your subconscious is like, why should I trust you that you're going to win this fight? You didn't even fucking, you know, do what you said you were going to do last week. You didn't even go run those extra miles you said you were going to run. Right? And this is why I feel and I'm getting, you know, on a, a larger rant here, but, you know, this is something very important I found as a father where my kids ask me questions and I'm like, I imagine, so I see a lot of people in my gym and I imagine um, these people, their kids asking their father's questions. And I'm like, why would this kid trust this father to answer these questions for him? This fucking slob, loser motherfucker, this do-nothing motherfucker. He doesn't even trust his goddamn self. So how's he going to tell his fucking son what to do? So that's what I thought for myself. I have to believe in myself. I have to trust myself. Or how are they going to trust me? So that's why I walk around the way I do. I walk around my head held high. I'm not afraid to take my shirt off and show off what I have because I have that trust within myself and I want to build that trust within my children.
2: I love it. I love it. Deep thoughts with Matt Brown. You learned something I like this. This is good. That was a deep question too. And it's a good question too, you're right. Like it's something that you have to have that mindset. And uh, when I saw that, I was like, that's a really good question because it's true. We all, I mean, we're all, we've, we've all been guilty of it, right? Like you'd let defeat get you down. We're absolutely all guilty of it at some point in our lives. Um, how do you get past it? I love we're, it. Uh,
3: but believe me, like I've 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 been there, like I you know, I went through divorce, I went through um, uh, you know, I've lost fights before. I got knocked the fuck out in front of a million people. Like when you wake up at the hospital, you think you don't feel like life just defeated you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you you know, you gotta come home to your children and they seen you get knocked out on live TV. Like you think, you know, okay, oh, you made a little bit of money doing it. You think that that picks you up? No. But when I wake up the next morning and I get right back to it and I show my kids that you can come back from anything and I get right back to it the next day, again, it goes back to my subconscious. And my subconscious says this motherfucker will get the fuck through it. And when he sees that, my subconscious sees that. I have that trust within myself now so I can be confident and proud of myself every day, no matter what I go through. So life has never defeated me and never will defeat me because I won't accept it defeating me. Not because bad things don't happen, not because they don't get kicked down, not because I live some fucking great grand life, but because I know that I will fucking fight through it. And I've built that trust within my own internal systems that i will rise up the next day and do what i was planning on doing already and i will fucking succeed
2: i love it i love it it's a great mindset absolutely great mindset and uh, that goes for every walk of life not just fighters every walk of life you can have that that mindset i love it uh there and, you and go yeah
3: like when i when you say it goes for every walk of life like not, very few people you know very very Small amount of people are going to be able to relate to me being knocked out on live TV, you know, but in front of millions of people. But don't get me wrong, I deal with fucking regular issues too, right? I deal with all the same fucking bullshit all you guys do. Everybody <laughs> listening right now, I deal with a lot of the same fucking horse shit you guys do. You know, I have money problems, I have relationship problems, I have kid problems. I'm, fucking a myriad of ex-wife problems. Like, fucking, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you name it, bro. Like, I, like, like I just told you earlier, like I fucking wrecked my car today. Like, but you know what I did? I wrecked my car. I took it to the shop. I was able uh, to drive it to the shop. Fortunately, I had a cop follow me, you know, and got it to the shop. And I called my, my buddy and I said, I need to get to the gym. And I went in and worked out still. So again, my subconscious, trust me, he knows I'm getting to the fucking gym. Like you're gonna have to do more to me than that to keep me out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. That was a good question and a and a very very strong answer. I like that. Uh, very good. So yeah, if you got questions, do not hesitate. Do the hashtag Ask Matt Brown. You'll see the uh, the, tw- the tweet over on my Twitter. Uh, every sh- every show, we're gonna try to answer a few questions when we can. Uh, and get some more of these questions. That was good. I like that. Also, got excited to talk about Dimebag Daryl again. So, uh, maybe remind yeah. me of Pantera. So, uh, <laughs> I all right. can't believe you didn't guess Dimebag Daryl. Well, I was, I was, here's what, here's the thing. I know you, I know some of the guitarists you like now, but I was trying to think like 90s. I don't know why I didn't think of Dimebag. It just didn't pop in my head. I was like, well, there's, cause there are a lot of good guitarists out there. Like, there are legitimately, like, I love Zach Wilde. There's a great example. Like, I love Zach Wilde. He's an incredible guitarist. You know, so I was like, I don't know, maybe. But yeah, that's true. I should have known. I should have known yeah. Dimeback. That's your guy. Uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week. We'll talk about the fallout from Usman and Edwards. Uh, next weekend, dude, great fight. Cheeto Vera, Corey Sandhagen next weekend. Hell of a fight. So we'll talk about that and everything else. So we'll be back, and we'll also do another camp catch-up with Matt Brown as he continues to get ready for Court McGee. Uh, Matt, any uh, sponsors, anybody you want to give a shout-out to as we do each and every week here on the show? You know, man, theimmortalcoffee.com. You got to go try it out, bro. Some of the best fucking
3: coffee you've ever had. Um, You also know routine, R-O-O-T-I-N-E-M dot C-O. God, I'm really slow at all those uh, spellings. But look, (laughs) you guys got to check them out. I'm sure everybody would love it, man. Everybody needs the precision nutrition that they bring. Um, It's just all it is is just a basic multivitamin but it's not a store-bought multivitamin. It's, you take, they take your blood, they take your, your DNA from your saliva, and they build a multivitamin based off your needs. So you're not getting too much of one thing and not enough of another thing. I mean, w- once you kind of look through it, go through their website and read about it, it makes perfect sense, and it's going to blow your mind. Like, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? And it's something very important to me that I take regularly. Other than that, you know where to find me, man. At I am the immortal twitter
2: and instagram let's go love it love it matt we'll be back next week make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms spotify apple podcasts and of course over on the best website in the world mmafighting.com enjoy ufc 286 this weekend we'll see you next week for another edition of the fighter versus the rider thanks for tuning in we'll see you then